everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the Communications Coordinator at High Point Church. Before we get to this episode, we have a quick update on what's going to happen with the podcast for the next month or so. We are going to take a break from releasing new episodes every Tuesday through September 15th. We'll still release these Ask Me Anything podcasts each week and any other time-sensitive content. Then, on September 15th, we'll go back to our regular schedule of releasing new content every Tuesday. During this break, we'll be evaluating the podcast. If you would like to give feedback and be part of our evaluation process, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org with the word yes. Again, if you would like to help us evaluate the podcast, email podcast at highpointchurch.org with the word yes. Now, moving on to this episode, Luke Zika, our Director of Student Ministries, preached an awesome message this past Sunday on God's work through our trials. We had an Ask Me Anything with Luke at the end of the service, but we didn't get through all of the questions, so we're here with Luke and Nicole Kyle, our Music and Worship Arts Director, to answer the remaining questions. Finally, if you have any questions from listening to this episode, or you want to help us improve the podcast during our break, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. We'd love to have you join us for future AMA times on Sundays at 9am at highpointchurch.org slash live. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, this is Nicole here. I'm Nicole Kyle. I work at High Point Church and I'm here with Luke Zika and he also works here. Luke, why don't you share with everybody what you do at church? I am the student ministries director. So I work with grades six through 12 primarily. Uh, Currently work with the Forgiven and Free group as well. I've led Alpha, so I've done some various things, but mainly I'm the youth guy, which mm-hmm. is really fun. It is fun. I also think I'm, I almost mentioned this on Sunday when we were going through the AMA too, but your wife teaches high school English. Yes. Which is all, I just think it's so fun that you both are in the midst of working with teenagers, with high schoolers, for you, middle and high schoolers. And you come at it from different places. She's working in a public school. You're working with Christian youth group. So I I think that it puts you guys in a really great per, um, place and position to be able to do ministry with high schoolers. It's really helpful for me as I'm leading the youth group to then hear Rachel talk about stories of school because then it reminds me, oh, yeah, this is what school is like for my teenagers. But it also helps remind me that uh, things could be far more difficult <laughs> You know, like I have a youth group of like a really great group of students who who want to be there. And I know you, it's easy as a youth pastor to feel like, oh, these kids are so disrespectful and blah, blah, blah. But then when Rachel shares me stories of school, I go, man, I got, I got a great group of students. Yes. I, I can be very happy about the engagements and uh, their behavior and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's helpful in a lot of ways. For yeah. Sure. I love that. I think too, another fun thing just to talk about with you because you're not often on this podcast um yeah I think so that everybody not everybody but a lot of times staff people have like a a thing that they want to champion and sometimes they're conscious of it other times they're not conscious of it but when I think about you and the thing that like is just very much a part of who you are and like the ethos of the way you think about ministry and just do your life and do ministry is evangelism, Mm -hmm. sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus Christ. 
And like you joined a running club so that you could meet other non-Christians because you were like, otherwise I'm just going to be in a Christian bubble. Right. And you had an experience overseas doing ministry. And you referenced that a little bit in your sermon. Can you just share a little bit about like, how do you think that became a part of who you are? And specifically, how did your experience overseas, did that, do you think that influenced it? Was it other stuff? Just share a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I... It, it's funny because some of my bent toward evangelism came from a bit of a prideful place when I started really following Jesus because that felt like the most difficult, hardcore piece of it. And I was like, I'm going to get the best at the thing that like no one else yeah. can do. Um, so when I, genu- when I started, so it was after freshman year of college, I really started pursuing the Lord. And um, I would just go to like Union South on campus mm-hmm. and just have conversations with people. And I had, I had these weird like goals I'd set myself, like I have to go like this many times a month or something. And it was just very, I, I, my first couple months of being a believer definitely had a lot of like goofy stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but I switched to more of a, just trying to form friendships with non-Christians. And so um, I ended up rather than just trying to talk to a bunch of strangers, I was like, well, let me just get to know some people. So I ended up like tutoring international students as like a way to meet people. And um, that was actually really successful. Um, Because there's, I found this thing, this volunteer position at the university where it was just English conversation partner. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. all you had to do was just talk to someone. Yes. And I was like, what What better thing could I do than just have an international student who's looking for friends and just yeah. talk to them? And, it, and we had to talk like two hours a week. Um, so that was really, really fun. And I think that it changed evangelism for me into this performance thing that was just really stressful and like wasn't really working into something that, was, that I just really enjoyed. And um, going to the Middle East was challenging. Um, because it was like their, um, I mean, their whole worldview was so set. And so to have someone come in and try to change their mind on that just felt like a very difficult thing to do. And mm-hmm. in the Middle East, it's it's just not that common that people will accept Christ. It, it definitely does happen. But um, so it just, it led me to feel like evangelism is something that you have to really build relationships with people who don't know Jesus in order for them to really trust you and, and um, want to actually listen to what you have to say. So it kind of mm-hmm. set me on this course of trying to, in my personal life, just know people who don't know Christ, build relationships with them um, for the sake of just knowing them. And that's yeah. what I really liked is like, I just have friends who think differently than me, which I've really appreciated. Um, but you also have the opportunity to, sh- to share Christ and, um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It just, it feels to me like some of the most, I'm kind of like an action oriented guy. And so mm-hmm. I like that evangelism feels like this, this really fun thing I get to do that has a really profound impact. Like people, you know, all of heaven rejoices when someone repents. And yeah, so it yeah. feels like uh, it's this really powerful work. The thought of seeing people in heaven forever because yeah. I got to share with them is just very exciting. And uh, yeah, just I can't think of something that is more joyful than getting to see someone trust Christ. And so it's become a thing that um, I try to have in my life. I, I hopefully don't let it become this thing that caused me anxiety if I'm like not doing enough of it or uh, yeah. anything like that. And I, I know it has its place and it's it's one of the many things in scripture that we're asked to do. But uh, I do just really like it. And uh, I hope to sort of continue that practice. That's so cool. 
I appreciate you sharing that. We both came from the same campus ministry that had a really um, big push towards evangelism. And so yeah. I, I'm really grateful for that. Like there are campus ministries all have advantages and disadvantages and pros and right. cons. And so I'm sure everybody has, you know, warped views of what their time on campus was like totally. if they were a part of a ministry. But it's definitely something that I'm really grateful for that we learned a lot about like, right. man, what what better way to have an inter- eternal impact on somebody's life than to be right. able to share the gospel with them. And mm-hmm. I also have found too, and my husband and I have talked about this a lot, that when we're when we are more active in trying to share our faith with the people in our lives, whether they're strangers or relationships that already exist, we have found that it like is a helpful foundation for our faith. It's like every time you get to talk about the gospel with someone who's not heard it before, like you're reminding yourself of these things that are true. And I think about, um, this is Psalm, is it Psalm 51? But where it says, return to me, the joy of my salvation. Mm. I can't remember, but, um, that's one of the things like that does do that for me, that re- returns yeah. to me the joy of my salvation when I get to share it with somebody else. So yeah, yeah, I know that's really good. I agree with all that. That's great. And um, yeah, I definitely came out of the campus ministry with a pretty warped view of evangelism. And, but I, when I realized that I was treating it like this, basically I was a good Christian if I was doing evangelism. That's kind of what it boiled down to. And I realized that wasn't true, but I also realized evangelism was still a good thing to do and I didn't want to just get rid of it. And um, so I've tried to just do it in a more healthy way. And cool. um, Yeah. So great. All right. Well, why don't we jump jump into the questions that we have left over? So if you haven't listened to Luke's sermon from this past Sunday, I would encourage you to do so. He preached on August 16th and he preached out of the passage, James verses one, James chapter one, verses two through four about considering our trials, pure joy, because we know that they lead to perseverance and that that through that, God wants to make us complete, perfect, lacking nothing. And yeah. so it was a really, um, really encouraging and challenging in a good way sermon for me. I really appreciated it. Um, so we had a couple of questions that we're going to talk through out of that. Um, the first two questions are going to be specifically as it relates to the sermon. And then the third question is more specifically related to you working with youth in our church. So we'll yep. start with the first one. Um, and you did, a, you did answer this one a lot in the, in the sermon, but let's just give it a little bit more time. This sure. question says, I'm wondering what supports are in place for people who are in a difficult season of engagement or marriage. What supports are in place to help them stay the course? Yeah. So what I ended up sharing, I, I think is the main thing I'd like to restate. Um, which is probably to reach out to Mike Beresford. <laughs> uh, so Mike Beresford, and this is something that will come up later in this in this podcast, actually. But um, Mike and Nick are here for you guys, and I know there's this weird perception that like they're really really busy, and uh, you you know you don't you don't feel like you want to bother them, and uh, but they're really here for you. They are your pastors, and um, Mike has specifically worked with that age and that life stage a lot. He's done a class for engaged people. Um, and that can be really, really helpful. And I've, from what I've heard, that's been an incredibly helpful class. And I know I work, walked through my premarital stuff with Mike and, um, he and Estelle are just fantastic on this topic. Um, 
And so he would be the one to talk to because they did run that class even through COVID. They just did it on Zoom. And so I don't know if he's planning to run that again. Um, and so he would be a, a great resource. Um, kind of more general things, I think, um, for my wife and I having um, friends who are married as kind of like peers or mentor figures um, mm-hmm. can be really, really helpful because engagement and marriage is just a really difficult time. And so having people in your life, you can talk through what you're walking through can be really helpful. And um, so that's, that's maybe the other main thing that I would say of just having people in your life who are in that life stage, having friends who are married, because um, yeah, you're going to be going through stuff that your single friends aren't necessarily going to be able to relate to as much. And so um, Rachel and I have never had like, an official like couple mentor kind of relationship, but I know of people who have done that and that's Mm -hmm. been incredibly helpful. I know there's one couple I know who had a really rocky start to their marriage and they just right away, they like talked to Mike, they found a couple to mentor them and it's like that totally got them back on track. That's like what they needed. Um, and they're doing, you know, from what I know better. Um, that was the case for Scott and me. We, okay. Um, yeah. It was actually funny. I think that we've probably talked about this before on this podcast, but um, High Point was a lot smaller when we got married. Yeah. Uh, we knew Nick, um, and there was one time where he was like, hey, you guys want to go get lunch? We're like, sure. And he basically <laughs> took us out to lunch because he could tell that we were floundering. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like you just needed it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And he um, – yeah, but and then he and Lexi were so helpful for us, and it, it they were an example of like they 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 had been married for like fifteen years at that point. I want to say yeah. about that, and they were just so helpful for us to be able to talk to people who um, could understand what we were experiencing, but were also years later in their marriage. And so the things that felt like a huge deal to us, they were compassionate to it, but they also were like it's not that big of a deal. And so they had the perspective of hindsight Mm -hmm. and it was, it was very helpful for us. Yeah, totally. And if you're feeling like, well, I don't know any people, I don't know who to reach out to. Um, again, you can totally feel free to reach out to me, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure Aaron and Jill know a lot of the kind of young married couples or kind of people who are in that life stage. Um, and we'd love to, get you more connected. Um, we do have a grad and yeah. career group for generally like twenties and thirties. And uh, I know they're still doing like social events and some different things. And so finding grad and career through our high point website, um, is a just potential helpful community. Um, I work with forgiven and free on the guys side. So forgiven and free is a, um, just ministry where guys come and talk about mainly sexual sin, but I, I think kind of any guy going through any kind of struggle or addiction would find it to be incredibly helpful. So if it's, if part of what's difficult in a marriage is, um, sort of what the, the husband is going through, there is that ministry. And I know that's been incredibly helpful. So, um, yeah, I guess I recommend just reaching out and we can specifically get you connected to what you need. Um, but in terms of like official high point things, Mike is kind of the guy who, who spearheads the like leading of the engaged couples and kind of early marrieds. And he'd be maybe your most helpful person to talk to. 
Yeah. Anything else on that that I missed? Yeah. One thought that I, a couple thoughts. Um, you mentioned this already, but just to double down on this, man, like I think it's easy to get into the mindset that um, church is a place for people who have it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not. None of us have it all together. Right, Even yeah. if it seems like we do, we don't. Right. And so because of that, it can also seem like, man, I, I don't, like if you're having a problem, mm-hmm. Yeah. To feel like, where am I? Where should I turn? Who should I talk to? This is exactly what the pastoral staff is for. <laughs> this is what the ministry staff is for. Like, we want yeah. to help mm-hmm. be a resource, and our pastors want to be your pastors. Our elders want to be your pastors and elders to help you mm-hmm. in yeah. these things. And so, if you are experiencing marriage um, marriage problems of any degree, reach mm-hmm. out. People want to help you. People want to be a support for you. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing too, this is, this is a small, just little tip, but I remember another season, this was maybe three years ago, um, where Scott and I were just having a rough patch. We were in the midst of transitions and transitions tend to be pretty hard for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, Nick was saying, he said something to us that was like, listen, I'm sure you guys are already doing this, but just Make sure that you're reading your Bible every day and that you're mm-hmm. praying every day. Nine times out of 10, that'll clear up whatever marriage yeah. issues are going on. And I was so, I, in the moment, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, we're already doing that. But we both weren't. Like, we oh were struggling. Like, yeah. we were in a bad season where we just were not being um, disciplined in having our daily devotions. And yeah it did help so much. And it was like, that's that's right. It gives us such (laughs) when we're in scripture every day and when we're praying every day, it reminds us of perspective and what matters and what doesn't matter. And we're more in tune with the Holy spirit and being convicted. And so that's just another thing that that's, it's so small, but that can, can be a huge shift in trajectory. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there's a ton where we say that, but yeah, that for now is, yeah. All right, so let's move to the next question. Um, you talk again. This is one that you sort of mentioned, but you did say it intentionally. You wanted to be able to do a better job getting some thoughts together. So yes. this question says, "How do I find the means and strength to press on when I feel so hopeless, diminished, and lifeless?" Along those lines, what resources within the church can you point someone to who is struggling with thoughts of suicide? Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I got into this a little bit. I wanted to make sure with suicide, um, that I was sort of, I didn't want to say something dumb, basically. Um, if that is you, um, that, that's really hard. And, um, I, my heart goes out to that you are are experiencing that. And I, I know you're not alone in experiencing that, especially during this time of COVID, um, and um, what, you know, one of the first things that I think is helpful is that the Bible talks about this. Um, it can feel when you are going through depression or feeling of hopelessness. Um, it can feel like there's guilt on top of that, or like I must be weak, or I'm I'm in sin, or something. And the church has typically not done the best job of supporting people are experiencing like real hopelessness like you're just you're kind of made to feel guilty a little bit 
um, a verse that I just wanted to toss out. And there's, there's a few verses that say essentially this. This is Psalm 42, 5. It mm-hmm. says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. But then he goes back and says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. Yeah. Um, and so it's it does say to turn to God and, and there is hope in Jesus. But clearly the psalmist um, here is at a point where he is in just complete despair and things feel very dark and things feel very heavy. Um, so God is clearly aware and understanding of that happening to yeah. us. Um, he understands while there is absolutely hope in Jesus and Jesus is the answer. There are totally times where um, our ability to see Jesus, find hope in him, understand what he's doing can, can feel like that's so far away. And um, I talked to Mike about this question a little bit and Mike, who's a pastor, has seen tons of people come to Christ, who's preached and knows the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has experienced severe moments of depression and he's had suicidal thoughts, like actually thoughts of like, man, this would be so easy. He's had a lot of pain, just physical pain. Mm-hmm. And um, he's had moments where he's like, man, this would be easy just to kind of be done with all this. Yeah. So that's the first thing to hear from me. And just, I know Nick and Mike and, and the whole staff would back that up of like, if you're feeling this, um, there is no shame in it. There's no guilt to be felt in it. Um, and I think that's really important to, to hear because, um, the main thing that you need is help and you need support. Um, and so I kind of similar to the last thing, the best kind of main thing, if you're going to hear one thing for me to say is to reach out to Nick and Mike, um, reach out to Nick and Mike. They are here. They are your pastors. Um, this kind of thing. They, I mean, they will prioritize. This is why they went into yeah. ministry, just to restate all this. This is why they're here. Um, they are busy, but they are busy doing this. This is the kind right. of stuff that they're doing. And um, Mike, I'm sure Nick is wonderful on this topic. Mike has specifically, he's done like, um, I guess, more like trauma counseling kinds of things. Um, he's worked with people in yeah. crisis and people going through disasters and that sort of thing. So he is extremely understanding of this and will have really helpful thoughts um, because the worst thing you can do is sort of just suffer alone in this and I'm um, reaching out to Mike, setting up an appointment with him. You can email info at highpointchurch.org. Yes, that would be the email address. Um, and we will get you in touch with one of them. Um, and so Mike, some of the first things Mike does is, um, try to sort out why um, the person is considering suicide and just having an honest conversation about whether suicide is really the best answer. Um, Because a lot of times suicide just in reality will create more problems than it will really solve. Um, And this sounds like a very sort of um, harsh way to sort of look at it, I guess, but just looking at it objectively, it really, suicide really does not make sense. It typically comes from a place of despair where the person's just has lost kind of their sense of themselves and what would actually be helpful. Um, and so what Mike recommends is, is finding things you can take hope from, like thinking if you're not feeling hope from Jesus right now, it's okay. What do you know you have hope in? Like what relationships mm-hmm. do you have people who are counting on you? Um, people who would be devastated by your loss. And um, most people can come up with things that will keep them in it. Um, for long enough to kind of get help. If they're thinking about 
hurting themselves immediately, Mike will be like, well, what can you find hope in? And um, can you just not do this right now? Um, like before we, we get you some help. Um, because again, suicide is, is, is not the answer. It does not solve the thing that you know, the person thinks it's, it's going to solve. So what can you find hope in right now? Know that God is not like disappointing you. There's no need for shame or guilt. And, um, the best thing you can do is reach out. If you are in, I know there's different sort of stages of suicide. Um, stage one is like just kind of suicidal thoughts or feeling of hopelessness. Stage two becomes where you're starting to fantasize about how you would do it. And then stage three is like plans to do it. Um, stage two and three is when like you need help. You need to actually like seek attention. Um, like you need to actually like call a medical professional, call a pastor, actually seek help. If you see someone in that stage two or three in your life, you need to get them help. Um, and actually, if they're planning on hurting themselves to, to actually get them help with don't like, don't leave them alone, like make sure they get mm -hmm. help before you actually leave them. So if someone actually has a plan in place and the means to actually implement that plan. That's someone you want to find help immediately. Um, and so calling like the suicide hotline or calling high point so that we can get you where you need to be and not leaving that person alone um, yeah. is what you need to. If someone is in stage one of just like despair, but they're not actually at the point of planning, um, that person just needs a lot of love, support, encouragement, um, strong friendships, people who are going to listen. Um, calling a pastor would be a great step as well. Um, yeah. There are Christian counselors in the area, and so High Point can help you find that. Um, so that's kind of general opening thoughts on that. Um, there's a lot that can be said, but, um, reach out for help. And then if you know someone who is in that dark place to love and support them and, um, to obviously not cast judgment on them, but to just listen yeah. and care for them. And, um, and yeah, to start talking through like, what do you, what's making you feel so hopeless? And then what can we actually do? Um, but a lot of people, again, just feel when it's, Right now during COVID, we're feeling so isolated. And so these dark feelings are just building. And um, so just coming forward and being like, I need help. Like I need support. I need encouragement is totally the right thing to do. And I actually went mm -hmm. through this time. I, did, I haven't gotten depressed during COVID, but I got to a point where I was feeling like I wasn't getting a lot of encouragement. And I remember talking through with Vince Pieri, who used to work here. And he was like, dude, you know, you can just ask for more encouragement, right? Like, that's a healthy <laughs> thing to do. And I was like, oh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and I like, uh -huh. didn't think about that. I didn't think of reaching out to friends being like, hey, can you support me more? Yes. Um, yeah. But that's that's the thing to do is find support, find encouragement. Right. Um, do put your hope in God. But I do totally understand that there's times where that feels like so distant. And you right now mm -hmm. just sort of need help in, in some practical ways. Yeah. Um, and there's no shame in that, you know? Yeah. This was, I think during AMA on Sunday, you talked about how there's a, a, a relationship between, um, a correlation, a correlation between when over 50% of teens yeah. had smartphones and the increased in, increase in depression. Yeah. Um, and I think, so you and I are both millennials generationally and yeah. you work with middle and high schoolers I used to work with college students yeah. who um, would have been in that. Like, I think most of the college students that I worked with probably started to have smartphones when they were in high school. Um, and we just, we, we had, we dealt with a lot of, um, a lot of 
students who had depression or who had anxiety, other mental illnesses. My husband and I both have walked through different mental illness as well. Um, And so I think that when you, when you started by saying like, sometimes we don't do a good job caring for people who have mental illness, I think you're right. And I think some of that comes from the fact that it, it kind of is like this, it's a, it's more recent in terms of its yeah. epidemic yeah. in our, in our culture. And we're trying to figure out how to do a better job caring for people. Um, and so I think that some of the stigma is going away, but that, that may be, um, it, it may not feel that way in a church as much as it feels that way in secular, in more secular parts of culture. And so yeah. I think that sometimes that um, taking the initiative to make that phone call to somebody at church feels like this incredibly challenging thing to do. Yeah. Um, it feels like the hard thing, like yeah, the right. impossible thing. But I, I do think you're right, Luke, that um, hopefully we're getting better and better at caring for people who are in the midst of these sorts of mental crises, mental illnesses. Um, And it really is one of the best things that you can do to reach out to people around you and to try and get help. So I'm, I'm glad that you addressed that. Um, And I hope we're getting better at it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I hope so as well. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely more on people's minds and, um, yeah, when I was in youth group growing up, suicide was kind of this like taboo thing, or depression kind of in general. And um, I do feel like that with the younger generation, it's it's something they're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I think I think this is really helpful. I, and like to get back to just, it sounds like the specific thing is what resources do the church have our pastors, our staff, and then they can also help point you to counselors and therapists. And that's really good. So, okay. um, Let's move to the final question. This comes, this one is less related to the sermon and more related to um, this. You are working with youth. This person wants to know if you think kids should sit through the service as opposed to, um, do, going to like a Sunday school or a specific class for middle high schoolers. And I don't know if this person is talking about younger kids or what, but yeah, I'll I don't know. It just says, however you feel like it. Yeah. Do you think kids should sit through a regular church? Um, I have a whole bunch of thoughts on this, okay. but it, it's all just by, uh, I, I don't have any concrete, like this is the right answer kind of thing. Um, so sort of a whole host of things. Um, the tension I have felt, so I, I, we run a middle and high school Sunday school class that meets during first service normally, um, not right now, obviously, but, and uh, I tell them to try to go to the service. Um, so whether that's sticking around for second service and going to a service or just not coming to our Sunday school class and going to regular church. Um, but it's not something that I push super hard. <laughs> I, I sort of t- encourage them to think about it. And if they'd like to do it, to do it. And some of them do it. Some of them prefer the big church service over our Sunday school classes. And I think that's great. Um, so there's there's sort of pros and cons on either side. Yeah. Um, the, the benefit of a Sunday school class is that we can go through stuff that's very specific to their stage of life. 
Yeah. And uh, we can cover Bible essentials that like, it's not, doesn't necessarily translate to a Sunday sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can just do things that the big church service can't do. They can also develop peer relationships. They can develop relationships with adult mentors. So there's a lot of benefit for a Sunday class. Um, The risk is if a student goes through church and is never in the big church service, they may feel like church for them is just the youth group. And when they graduate from high school, youth group is over. And so for some young people, then church is over and they never seek out a church when they go to college. Yeah. So that's the tension. And, um, so I guess I say this is a little particular to the individual kid. Um, cause some kids, they go to the big church service, but, um, they're just not, it's, it's tough for them to engage with yeah. the sermon. Um, we also just to be honest, have a pastor who tends to not preach the most, um, you know, understandable sermon for like a young person, like Nick is just very intellectual. Um, and so his sermons in particular, I've been less motivated to send some of the younger kids into, um, because I do think they're going to maybe struggle to figure out what this exactly means for their life. Um, and this is not a Nick, a knock against Nick's preaching. It's just, it's just how Nick is. Um, but then there's other students who they love Nick and they love like walking through his sermons and feels like it really, really challenges them. So, um, and maybe for the younger students tend to want to d- have Sunday school with them unless they're really motivated to go to the big church service. Um, and then by high school, um, I think if a student does sort of a mixture of things, I think that can really work. Yeah. Um, probably the best thing to do is for them to do the Sunday class and then, um, then do regular church. Um, so it's a little based off the kid and, and yeah. how they're going to grow best. Like, in, in each stage of life, are they going to grow best by being in the big church service? Um, right. One thing we do is we have the students come in for the worship time so that they mm-hmm. see the service a bit. They feel like they're a part of it. Um, and I also tried, we also just have a lot of adult volunteers. And so the students yeah. don't feel like they're just building peer relationships. They're building relationships with people in the church. Um, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of churches that have no Sunday classes for sixth grade on a, on a Sunday because they want them to be a part of the church service. Um, I think there's enough benefits to a Sunday class that we offer it and I do encourage it, but um, students are very free to make decisions. And yeah, um, yeah so that's kind of that. It's kind yeah. of all messing all over the place. And I don't know what each you know teenager needs necessarily, right. but I can see all of those options being good. Yeah. I think that's helpful. I, I was thinking about this today. So we're in the midst of COVID. Parents mm-hmm. are tr- all, like all trying to sort out what school is going to look like for their kids. So you already had the question of, for any parent thinking about school, homeschool, private school, public school. That was already there. Now add on top of that, virtual, in-person, partial. Like, And I think one of the things that I have learned since becoming a parent myself and watching, like I've got a number of years before we've got to make these sorts of choices for our son. But as I've watched other parents, I've realized like, I've looked at families where they have done very different things for each child Mm -hmm. because they've recognized that each kid needed something different. And um, I think that's really helpful to just remember that it's like not every, not every child, not every student is the same that there and that there are options. And so for parents to think through what's going to be the best benefit for their, 
for that particular child. I think that's a good thing. The yeah. other thought too that I have, I mean, so when we used to work with campus ministry, we always had the mindset of like, this is for a time. We don't want you to stay in yeah. in campus ministry type things forever. And right. so we also had the mindset of once once a student is in their senior year of college or about to graduate, then we better be preparing them to be integrated into a church if they aren't already. Right. Because yeah. otherwise they graduate from college, they're not in a campus ministry anymore. And then they're like, well, now what do I do? I don't know how to be a Christian outside of having right. Bible study in my dorm. Right. And that's not most of life. And so right. it sounds like you're saying you're, you're trying to think in a similar way. Like you want to set up students such that when they graduate from high school and they either go start working and are moving out or going to college or whatever it looks like for them, that they are ready and prepared to take ownership of their faith yes. in that way. And that they're yeah, ready right. to be integrated into a church beyond just a youth group. That's the key. And so my main advice for parents would be if you're able to, especially during the high school age for your kids, if you can, if they want to go to the Sunday school class, because a lot of the students do, because they're friends with there and it's fun and, you know, it's it's just different. It's interactive and it's the kind of thing that I think really works for teens. But if you mm-hmm. are able to then stick around for second service, I know this is not happening right now. So this is kind of, sure. a, you know, um, I do think that's best. So if, if you as a parent can get hooked up with a Sunday school class or figure out something to do during first service so that you as a family can go to second service together. Yeah. Um, I think that's the idea. Like if I was a parent, I think that would be my ideal option of like go for two services, have my kid be in something for them for an hour and then in the big church for an hour. Um, I think that's probably the best for most of them. Um, I know it's a long time in church and not everyone can do that, but if you're able to do that, once we're having two services again, we have sort of our full regular, um, all the options. Um, That's probably the best thing you can do. Yeah. So Great. Well, Luke, thank you for going through these questions. Thanks for everybody who asked them. And uh, we hope that you found this helpful. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we are. Yeah, I just, I really appreciated you coming to preach. It'll be fun to get to hear more from you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. This was good getting to answer these. And feel free to reach out to me specifically if you have more questions. Um, you can find my email on the kind of staff section of our website. But yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. You can find more episodes online at highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on most podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Overcast. If you are listening on a podcast app, hit subscribe to get notified of future episodes. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.